The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces, and when it falls on anyone, it will crush him. Luke chapter 20, verse 17 and 18. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Heavenly Father, please give us ears to hear you, to receive your word, and please bless my words to be useful to that purpose. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Like the son, in the, the son of the vineyard owner in the parable that Jesus just told, immediately before the verse I just read, um, the stone, of course, here is a figure for Jesus. And Jesus uses it it as, um, the pun came accidentally, a multifaceted metaphor. First, Jesus represents himself as a rejected stone. Rejected by the Jewish leadership, the religious establishment. Already by this point in the gospel, the Jewish leadership has decided this is not the Messiah that they wanted and they've been plotting to kill him. Jesus points out that This was actually all foreseen long ago. It was prophesied a thousand years before when the Holy Spirit spoke through David in Psalm 118, which Jesus is quoting. It's a direct quote. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone right out of Psalm 118, which is uh, a passage which was ringing in the ears of all of the people that Jesus was talking to for a couple reasons. One, because it was always sung around the festival times when the Jews gathered as they have gathered for a Passover. But also, significantly, um, this incident in Luke chapter 20 happens just a couple days after Jesus' triumphal entry, the first Palm Sunday. And what were the crowds saying at the triumphal entry? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, which is a quotation from Psalm 118, just like three verses after the, the, the stone the builders rejected. So this sort of Psalm 118 is thick in the air, and Jesus is saying, Are you not even paying attention to the very psalm that we've been singing and thinking of? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And stone here is not just some almost like random metaphor that the Lord or the Holy Spirit in prophecy was using. It actually intertwines with a number of prophecies that weave together that point to Jesus um, stone, of course, is a stone is what you call what is cut out of rock. And over and over again in the New Testament, but especially in the book of Deuteronomy, um, God is called the rock. Right? The Lord is the rock. And a stone is cut from rock, just as we see prophesied in Daniel chapter 2, that mysterious prophecy of a stone, and what does it say? Cut not with human hands. Which is a, a way of describing God's own operation. A stone cut not with human hands. A picture of Jesus. When we put these various rock stone pictures together from Scripture, it points to Jesus as truly the, living, the son of the living God, cut from that rock. A stone that is rejected. And that everything that's happening, Jesus' rejection by the Jewish leadership, um, it was all foreseen. It was all part of, in fact, God's plan. So what we see is Jesus is saying that he recognizes, he's claiming the prophecy that he himself, as the stone, is rejectable, manifestly, but he's not opposable, 
Because you could think that those were synonyms, that, well, if you reject him, then you can kind of just be done with his truth claim. But you can't. And that's where this imagery comes in of if you fall on the stone, you get broken. And if the stone falls on you, you get crushed. Jesus is rejectable, but not opposable. One of the things that really helps to make sense of that rather cryptic saying that the Lord says is to scare your imagination to how I think his hearers would have scaled it, that Jesus is giving this teaching in the temple. And so the nearest reference for cornerstone would be the cornerstone of the temple or the cornerstone of the temple mount. And you can actually go to Israel. You can can Google search, as I did, because I've not been to Israel. You can actually see these cornerstones, and they're enormous. They're these like 10-foot by 30-foot monsters that weigh 400 tons. I mean, because when I was thinking cornerstone, I was kind of thinking like some sort of British cottage field stone or something. I'm like, oh, crushed by the cornerstone. You know, the image wasn't, I didn't understand it. So I Googled, you know, cornerstone and put Jew in Israel. So yeah, so think of a, a 10 foot by 10 foot by 30 foot cut piece of stone. It's still an impressive feat of engineering that they ever moved those, right? That's what Jesus is describing as when he, when he uses the word cornerstone and he's standing in the temple. And the image is one of um, a clay pot coming up against a 400-ton stone. When they clash, who suffers? Right? The clay pot. So you can reject Jesus, but it doesn't do damage to Jesus. It does damage to you. That's what Jesus is teaching here. That in rejecting him, they are hurting themselves. They aren't hurting him. Um, who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Uh, similarly, if anyone obstinately rejects Jesus lifelong, refuses to ever confess sin to him, um, Judgment Day is described with this image of a 400-ton stone falling on a clay pot. Though Greek words, I did a little study, are very graphic. It's like, it's not just crushed, it's crushed to smithereens, like to powder, is the picture Jesus uses. So many in Jesus' day, uh, not all, because of course he did have a band of disciples, but many in Jesus' day, towards them Jesus was a rejected stone. Um, It is the case that on Judgment Day, there will be many for whom Christ is also a crushing stone. But in the very act of his being rejected, when he's nailed to the cross, he is installed in that very act of rejection through that act of rejection, as the cornerstone, the cornerstone of the new temple. When he died for our sins, my sins, your sins, the cross was like a T-square, setting him straight in the corner of the church, the new Jerusalem. I love when you can pick up in the scriptures where apostles who heard Jesus say things then by the Spirit like develop that teaching. In 1 Peter the Holy Spirit extends this very teaching that Peter would have heard Jesus say on this day. First Peter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, As you come to him, Jesus, a living stone rejected by men, there's the connection to the teaching, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves, like, live, like living stones, right? like Jesus, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. So a cornerstone is not the summation of the building, right? It's the thing on which the whole building depends. Get the cornerstone wrong, the building won't stand. But we, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house. The cornerstone 
is the security of the house, and, and it unites walls that run in opposite directions, just as Jesus, the cornerstone, unites heaven and earth in himself, unites Gentile and Jew in one people of God, unites God himself and, man, and, hu- and humanity in his one person. So each of you, when you came to faith in Jesus, when you were baptized, you have become a stone in this picture that is one of the component pieces by which the Lord is creating the new temple in which he himself will be worshipped forever. And we are strengthened in our place, as St. Peter says, as we come to him. It's a present tense, right? It's not just, well, you were installed and now that's done. As you come to him, you're being built up as living stones. As we come to him by faith, of course, continually renewed in the present, as we come to him in prayer, and significantly, as we come also to Holy Communion. After all, what is a temple for? Why do temples exist, even in pagan religions? What is the reason a temple exists? As a place to make sacrifice. Temples are for sacrifices. And the remarkable thing is that when we, the church, gather, Christ himself presents the memorial sacrifice, Holy Communion, the memorial sacrifice of his own offering to God the Father. That's well over half of all of the like, ritual and liturgical accoutrements that we utilize every Sunday in the Anglican Church, all of these vestments, these are just ways to say that even as I am just a man, and in a way it's, it begins as just a meal, Christ himself is actually among us, presenting himself to the Father on our behalf, and we participate in him. We participate in our sacrifice, who is Jesus, who died once for all. On the cross. So you see, we are out of the temple, and the true sacrifice, Christ Himself, is in our midst, glorifying the Father. We are the temple founded on Him, and this is where all of the metaphors sort of collapse in this one super metaphor. The reality is far bigger than language can describe that Christ is also the cornerstone of this temple on which we are all built. All glory be to Him, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.